Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, host of Better Off. On today's episode, we are attacking your taxes with CPA and IRA expert Ed Slot. The greatest money-making asset any individual can possess is time. And young people have more of it than anyone else. That's the money that can compound over time, the eighth wonder of the world. If you start early, you'll be so far ahead of the game. All that and more on the latest episode of the Better Off Podcast. Welcome to Better Off, sponsored by Betterment, the smarter way to invest your money. I'm your host, Jill Schlesinger. And uh, I have an old pal who's going to be joining me on this show this week. His name is Ed Slott. He's a CPA. He's also an expert IRA guru. And it's time because, you know, it's tax time, ladies and gentlemen. The season opened way back in January. And uh, you got a few extra days, by the way. Tax filing deadline, a few days extra. It's kind of great. Love that for you procrastinators. My taxes were done, I don't know, weeks ago. What about you, Mark? All done? Mark's all done. Uh, You know, tax time can be somewhat thorny and it can be anxiety provoking. I think the real issue around the tax season has to do with, number one, a lot of people just don't like confronting all of the, the time consuming prep issues that occur. But also it does bring up some money stuff. And... I always loved tax season when I was an advisor myself, when when I was in the business of giving people financial advice, because it was a time where you you had to confront some of the issues in your financial life. And if this is the pain part of the journey, which is you have to get all your documentation and you've got to get everything set, it's also the time that if you're going to put all that pain in to deal with lots of different parts of your financial life. And that could mean you're looking at, hey, um, how can I reduce my tax liability next year? Well, maybe you ought to kick up your contribution to your retirement account. Or, gosh, I wish I had kept all those receipts. I promise to be better organized next year. Yeah, we'll do that. But most importantly, as you are approaching your taxes And as you even review, if you've already filed and you're getting a big return, there are some great financial decisions you can make in the moment. For example, you get a big tax refund. Everyone's like, yay, I got a big tax refund. Well, that's a rotten thing to happen. Because if you got a big tax refund, that just means you've lent Uncle Sam money interest-free for essentially a year. You don't want to do that again. So that's a terrific instance where you say, hey, I got a refund. I think that's great. It's not great. So what do you want to do? You want to increase your retirement contributions or adjust your withholding so that you don't get that next year. By the way, when you do that, you won't get a big tax refund, but you'll free up your cash flow throughout the year. And that's going to be available for you to either fund retirement or education savings, or maybe you need a slush fund for your second home, whatever it is. I guess the main point is don't look at tax time as this awful part of the year. This is the kick in the butt that many of us need to deal with our financial lives. And that's why I'm so excited to have my pal, Ed Slot join us for this episode. Now, don't forget, of course, after the interview, we'll have the caller of the week. And if you'd like to get on the air with us, just shoot us an email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. Okay, here's Ed. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. 
Well, it's a month before tax season, and we are so excited to have a special guest here at Better Off, Ed Slot, CPA, nationally recognized IRA expert. You've probably seen him on TV, you know, on uh, public television. He's a best-selling author. He has dedicated his life to educating Americans on saving for retirement and helping to explain the intricacies of IRAs. So, Ed, welcome. This is exciting because we've spoken many times, but we've never met in person. I'm here live. It's great to be here. And what is the first thing I said to you? I said, you look much thinner than the picture on your book. <laughs> so you should get new pictures. You say all the right things. I try. <laughs> all right. Uh, we start every single interview off with a question. Uh-oh. You ready? Yeah. What is the best money decision you have made, Ed? Oh, starting a retirement account. Nice. At what age? Uh, I was forced to. That's... <laughs> I I worked for an accounting firm and my boss, and I was in my 20s, and IRAs had just come out, and this is in the mid-70s, and my boss said, you should start, you know, young people should start, and he said, matter of fact, I'm going to force you to start, I'm going to take the money, you're not going to get paid unless you you put money in. Wow. So, uh, (laughs) he says, I'm going to give you the incentive, Uh, I'm going to, in effect, like bonus you that money. At the time, I understand how people feel now. At the time, I was in my 20s, and I said, but I can't touch that money till I'm 59 and a half. I'll be dead by then. That's so old. Mm. And uh, Not so old anymore. Right. No, now I'm <laughs> in my 60s. But that was the best thing. And actually, I've got a book out, this book you see here, Fund Your Future. Uh, it's that same advice because the key, you know, t- the greatest money-making asset any individual can possess is time. And young people have more of it than anyone else. He knew that. I know it now. But if young people knew it and that could capitalize on it, you know, those years in your 20s and 30s, you're so fixated with getting out of school, getting a job, getting married, buying a house, taking on debt, having kids, uh, college debt, everything. The last thing you think of is putting away for yourself, taking it off the top for your retirement savings. But that's the money that can compound over time, the eighth wonder of the world. If you start early, you'll be so far ahead of the game. And it's so hard to kind of get there. Although I think since the financial crisis, younger people are getting more on board with this concept that, you know, the world doesn't take care of you necessarily. Bad things can happen. I call it a yo-yo economy we're in. Yeah, you're on your own, baby. You're on your own. Uh, Companies are not going to take care of you. And the simplest thing you could do as a young working person is start a Roth IRA. It's a tax-free savings account. Now, I didn't have an opportunity to do that because they didn't start till 1998. But if you can do that, uh, that money is not only growing for you and compounding, but compounding tax-free. That money always grows the fastest because it's not eroded by taxes. Okay, so let's just do a little Roth riff here. All right. Because you love Roths. I love I love tax-free. <laughs> uh, you know, if there's one rule in all of taxes, there's a big difference when it comes to retirement savings. There's the camp of tax-deferred, which is like your IRA and 401k, and tax-free. All you need to know is tax-free is always better. The idea about putting 5500 bucks a year yeah. away makes a lot of sense, yeah. 6500 if you're over 50. What about older people who are listening to this saying, you know, I'm 40, so should I do a Roth yes. or yes. what? That Just is like not that. an older person. You still have 20, 30 years to compound for retirement. And if you think you're old at 40, uh, you have other issues. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what if I'm what if I'm 50 well, and, then, yeah. and, and wait a second, and I... I'm maxing out my 401k, mm-hmm. and I, 
and I can qualify to do the 6500 in a Roth. Should I still do it? Yeah, if you can, because all you're giving up is a current tax deduction. If you take that tax deduction, which sounds nice and it might add to your tax refund, most people don't save. In theory, if you had invested that refund, but nobody on earth has ever invested a tax refund. I know from years of doing taxes, I don't do that much anymore, but I would have people in front of me, oh, how much is a refund going to be? And the husband and wife talk about how they're going to spend it all. We'll, we'll go here, we'll go there. These refunds are going the garbage most of the time. They're spent. Uh, I'd rather give up the re not the whole refund, just the part, you know, the tax deduction, what I'm talking about, because you're only talking about a tax deduction of fifty five hundred or if you're 50 or over sixty five hundred. Give up that deduction now and get it all back later tax free. If you take the deduction, now you have a tax deferred account and every dime that makes you have to share with Uncle Sam for the rest of your life. And can you talk also a little bit about the 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 ideal part of the Roth also as you get older is that you don't have to take a distribution. That is fantastic. No required minimum distribution starting at 70 and a half, which means you have total freedom. With a traditional IRA, once you hit 70 and a half, you are required to take the money out whether you want to or not. And most people don't want to. Then they get angry. They're forced to take money out, add it to their income, pay taxes on money that they don't need anyway. And then it raises their income and it triggers all these other other taxes, or what we call stealth taxes, where you lose deductions, exemptions, credits that get phased out as your income increases, Social Security gets taxed, your Medicare premium, everything happens because your income went up on, because you were forced to, not because you needed it. The Roth takes all that away. Okay, so if possible, definitely do a Roth. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the um, Roth. Well, you... What's the downside? Here, Here's to me, at the end, people say, well, it depends on your tax bracket. You don't know what your tax bracket will be. People say, well, in retirement, my tax bracket will be lower. That's not true for most people. Most people don't realize in retirement, their biggest tax deductions go away. For example, in retirement, hopefully you've paid off your mortgage, so you don't have the mortgage interest deduction. Hopefully in retirement, your kids are not still living at home, so you don't have the exemptions for your kids. Uh, in retirement, you're not putting money away at a 401k, so you don't get the deduction for that. And sometimes even your charitable deductions are less. Many retired people uh, give more time than money to charity. So you have all these less deductions plus forced income from RMDs, and all of a sudden you're in a higher bracket. And you don't even know, even after all of that, you're saying, no, I'll still be in a lower bracket. Mm -hmm. How do you know? There's the uncertainty of what future tax rates could be. They could go through the roof. At some point, the credit card bill we're on this country is going to get have to be paid. With a Roth, it removes the uncertainty of what future taxes could do to your retirement savings. If you have a Roth, your tax rate in retirement is zero. You can't beat a zero percent tax rate. It works every time, doesn't yeah. it? Um, the other part of the Roth is that it's a good asset to give to an heir. Right. Right. Because right. the heir has to take the money out, but it's still not taxable, right? Right. Okay. Right. So the heir has to take the money out. What with it? Is it this? Is it what's the, the year rule? after death? They go on a schedule based on their own age, but it's tax-free generally, unless uh, a couple of odd situations, but generally the uh, 
Yeah, the beneficiaries pick up that Roth money tax-free. Okay. What if I have a 401k at work? Mm-hmm. I put up to the match. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's free money. Should, if I have now another 5500 to put away, should I use the 401k? No, the Roth. Just do the Roth. Unless the company has a Roth 401k. If they have a Roth 401k, you can put in, a, if you have the money, of course, a lot more than the 5500 and there is no income test like there is for a Roth. Oh, so that's interesting. And they usually do the match, so that's... And there's no income limit for that as there is for that's a Roth. That's huge. That's huge. If you have the money. Obviously, you have to have the money okay. to put away. You could do it through a 401k that has a Roth option. You're better off dumping in a, on the Roth 401k side. All right. Now, we also have some people who make more than a couple hundred thousand dollars right. a year. And you describe something that I find always fascinating and sounds sexy with my sexy voice, the backdoor IRA. How does that work? Because this is good for people who make too much money. You love the Roth. How does it work? All right. You make a a, a contribution to a non-deductible traditional IRA. Now, there's many people don't understand this. They think if your income's too high, you can't have a traditional IRA. Not true. Uh, Bill Gates could have a traditional IRA. It doesn't matter how much income you have. The reason there's an income test for a traditional IRA is to be able to deduct it if you're already in a plan. Whether you're in a plan or not, you can always make, a, if you have the earnings, make a contribution to a traditional IRA. It just may not be deductible. So you do a non-deductible IRA, and then at some later date, you convert it to a Roth. And And at that point, when you convert it to a Roth, what happens? There's no event. There's no tax trigger, right? I mean, there's no tax well, due because he didn't deduct it. It depends or is if the you have other IRA money. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you didn't have any other yeah, IRA. Yeah, just a non-deductible. Let's, okay, you had nothing and you did a $5,500 contribution this year. Uh, and then uh, say a month or two later, you decide I want to convert it to a Roth. You convert it. That's a tax-free conversion. Now, there are cu- a couple of limits. Uh, with a traditional IRA, you can't uh, make a co- traditional IRA contribution for the year you turn 70 and a half or later. So if you're over 70 and a half, this won't work for you. And, of course, you have to have earnings. Right. And, of course, the money goes in as a conversion rather than a contribution, and there's some nuanced tax rules around that. But you got to keep track of everything. Right. That's the most important part, Well, right? you're required to on a, a Form 8606 that goes with your taxes. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. We'll get back to our interview with CPA and IRA expert Ed Slot in one minute. Before we do, I'm wondering if all this tax talk is getting you thinking a little bit about uh, how efficient is your money that you're investing or how you should manage your money in the first place and whether you're going to retire on time. And why are you spending so much time doing your taxes when you should be living your life? And you're worried about maybe running out of money. You know, there's a world of unknowns. It's not so much unknown in the tax world, but it's unknown in the rest of your financial life. And what's interesting about that is that we all go through these questions. I just think tax time brings everything up right to the surface, right? Well, our sponsor, Betterment, believes that they have many of the answers to these questions. Betterment has technology that helps you plan for the future and manage your investments intelligently. And guess what? They pay special attention to not just lowering fees, but also minimizing taxes. Every dollar that you figure out how to hold on to yourself instead of paying to Uncle Sam, 
that's money that goes to your bottom line. I used to always say that my favorite way to actually make more money is to figure out how to pay less in taxes. It's all legitimate, but you got to pay attention. Well, Betterment checks all of these boxes. They've got globally diversified portfolios. They do automatic rebalancing, tax-efficient features, award-winning customer service, and yes, they are fiduciaries at Betterment. For those who have more complex finances or maybe want to talk to somebody, Betterment has two additional service plans. They give you access to a team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. You know, I'm a CFP myself, so I love that designation. You don't have to waste your time and money planning for the future. Sign up through our podcast link and you can get one month managed free. Visit Betterment.com slash better off for the offer and for more information. And now back to our interview with Ed Slot. People are getting ready. They're filing. They got all their documents. First of all, what's what are some mistakes that people common mistakes? <laughs> the first one you just said, do they have all their documents? Yeah. Uh, most people overpay their taxes because they ha- they're poor record keepers. What? Yeah. Why? How would because that be? Because they don't under- they don't keep track of things. What I tell people, actually, in our office, we have these legal size Manila folders with the sides on, so nothing can fall out. They're yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yep. I don't know what they call them. But they're, they're called little- red welts for the old law firms. Oh, okay. Right. I tell them, look, right? Just take a file, right on there. 2016 taxes. Anything comes in. You're in business. You take somebody out to lunch or something, or you have a bit. Throw the receipt in there. If you're not a good record keeper, just throw everything in. Now, you'll pay somebody to go through that, but you'll have a better idea. Most people, under when they estimate and they're not sure, they underestimate their expenses because it sounds like a lot. I'll say, did you have uh, $500 in uh, business expense? Oh, that's a lot. I don't have it. You don't pay $10 a week? in business. Oh, yeah, I do. You don't have a newspaper subscription that you need for business? They miss that. They miss that. So when they estimate, because the annual amount sounds like so much, so I always break it down. I say, well, what do you do a week? Now multiply that by 40 or 50 a week, uh, weeks a year. Then all of a sudden we're into thousands, but you have to document that. And, uh, you know, just keep everything. Okay. What about doing your own taxes, hiring somebody, or best software. Let's say, let's just do it like, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Well, you could use software. A lot of these companies do everything for free. But I just saw, I don't know if you saw this in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago. There was an article on what's the cost of these free, uh, doing your taxes for free online. Right. They sell the heck out of all your data. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Although the, um, but the IRS does have that free software, that right. free file for yeah. if, if you, you know make less than doing, sixty-four grand. And if you have a, an, uh, if you don't have itemized deductions, maybe or they're limited, and you really understand it. But once you have a business and you need business ex- advice or expense, it might pay to have a, a CPA or a tax advisor guide you to make sure you're getting the most out of it. Remember, it's up to you how much you pay in a lot of cases. Um, why are there so many different tax credits that make me nuts? Oh, so, it's so this Band-Aid approach to the tax code. Every special interest has their thing and, and they just keep adding them and taking them away and adding them. And, and they're all over the place. Like take education, for example. Right. I need a chart to see. I mean, I couldn't tell you which is a lifetime learning. This yeah. one, that one. This one's based on this income, this based on this. If you have kids, this one. You know, there's no like universal and then there's a two deduction and student loan interest. There's so many facets around education. 
If you go through and do your own taxes, will, yeah. you, will there be an opportunity to be prompted if I use TurboTax? Uh, some of the, I, I'm not sure about like, I use a professional program, right. so I can't really tell. On my program, we have what's called a diagnostic. And even CPAs like me, you know, we finish a return. First thing we do is go to diagnostics. Says, oh, you know what? You can't have a Roth. The income's too high. Or you didn't do this. Or you didn't fill this out. Or you didn't do that. So it does prompt you some of the higher end packages. So uh, let me ask you something. But I really rely, uh, and most uh, professional tax preparers rely on those diagnostics to make sure everything's covered. So simple tax returns. Do yeah. it yourself. Relax. You got a business. You itemize. You're, you've got your phase out. You have to pay AMT. Maybe you want a tax preparer. Yeah, I just got a guy came in just yesterday. It just happened. Uh, we did his returns in 14. and 15, he wanted to do it on his own. Uh, that's, he came, comes in this year, and he shows me what happened. In his 15 file is about, I don't know, five inches thick with letters and notices. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And now he wants to come back so we can clean up his mess for 15. Sometimes it pays to, you know, if you value your time and you can do other things with your time. You know, I have a saying like myself, I don't put light bulbs in, pay the guy. That's what they're, I'm not getting up on a ladder because I have high ceiling, you know, to, to put a bulb in when I can hire a guy who can do it and I can do what I do best. Exactly. So let's talk about some other um, errors that people will make. So they don't keep good records, so they're oh, not no, getting yeah. their, their... Number one, Nobody likes to look back at last year. It's like yesterday's breakfast. That's your starting point. There are tax deductions last year. There are carryovers. There are credit carryovers. People that had a net operating loss in a business or a capital loss carryover. You know, the software, if you're using the same software each year, will prompt you and throw those carryovers. But if you buy a new package, they're not going to have that. So you go, uh, you know, for whatever package you use and it's new, they're not going to have the history from last year, but you have your return. Always go back to last year. For example, you owed New York State or whatever state you're in, if they have state income taxes, and you had a balance due. If you itemize, that's a deduction this year. If you don't look back, you might forget that. You had a big uh, capital loss or a loss in a business. You get That gets to be carried over. If you don't go back, you might lose track of that. Do you think that... Um people are not aware of the tax problems they create in their investment accounts? Because sometimes I'll talk to some people at work and they'll ask me a funny question just off the cuff and I, I start digging down. I'm like, you know, you sold your CBS stock and that's a massive tax right. hit, right? And they're sort of like, oh, I thought they just, w I just thought they took care of that for me. And, and yeah, it's amazing. They? Yeah, exactly. They, <laughs> HR. I mean, so let's talk a little bit about like you work for a company, you get granted stock or, you know, options are, are yeah. have cut. And, and so what are the things, what are the mistakes that people make well, with that? Well, it's the timing of everything. You have to know if you're going to have a big tax hit. I have people call me with that from time to time. And I say, well, if you exercise, you know, this is what you're, if you sell the stock, let's say, this is what the gain is going to be. And they might, and I might say, you know, you know your company stock better than me. I'm not a stock expert. But if you feel this is about as good as it's going to get, you want to lock in the gain, then yeah, you have to pay the tax. Or you feel it's just going to keep getting better and you want to sell part of it. You know, you control your own tax destiny based on how much you sell. I want to shift gears a little bit to one of my absolute favorite things that has ever come out of Washington. What is that? It is the use of your required minimum distribution 
towards charity. Oh, yeah, that is great. Oh, my is God. Fantastic. Is this the – so explain yes. it. I right. love it. I it's made my mother do it. a Qualified Charitable Distribution, or QCD for short, and it is one of the best provisions. The problem with it was historically it came out years ago, and it was one of those extenders. So it ended. It expired. Then they renewed it, and it expired. Then they renewed it. And this went on for years. At the end of 2015, they finally made it permanent for 15 and 16. It's still permanent, although the word permanent in tax code never means permanent. It <laughs> means until Congress meets again. But this one is permanent. What's the big advantage? First of all, it's only available for IRA owners who are 70 and a half or older. And now for this rule, you have to actually be 70 and a half. This applies to an IRA owner or an IRA beneficiary, 70 and a half or older. Take the IRA owner that has required minimum distributions. Now, obviously there has to be a charitable intent, but you have with this provision, you're able to directly transfer a part of your IRA to a charity and have that satisfy, depending up whatever your required minimum distribution is, that required minimum distribution so it doesn't have to be added to your income. Now, on the other hand, you don't get a tax deduction and people think, well, then it's a wash. No, mm -hmm. you almost always end up ahead. There's never a result where you would pay more. You can only gain. So if you're 70 and a half, over 70 and a half, subject to required minimum distributions, and you have this IRA, and you also give to charity. Why would you give to already tax money? If you're giving to charity, do it with the QCD, with the charitable rollover. So I'll give you an example. Let's say your required minimum distribution is 5,000 for the year. And just to make it easy, you usually give around 5,000 to charity. Have uh, that 5,000 go directly to the charity. It has to go direct. You can't take it in your hands first. Then you don't have to report that 5000 as income, and it satisfies your required minimum amount. So what does that do? It keeps your income lower. And by keeping your income lower, it has less effect on other phase-outs that are based on higher income, like maybe less of your Social Security might be taxed. Maybe you'll have more medical expenses and things that would otherwise be phased out. It's key to keep your income low. So it keeps it off the tax return. Okay, Ed, before we leave... Um what is the single most important thing to learn from your tax return after you filed this year? Well, to know your tax bracket for this year and next year, because a lot of decisions you make, see, tax planning should be done prospectively ahead of time, but you have to have something to base it on. So once you uh, see how, how the numbers came out, you have a better starting point for next year. Be aware of all these moving pieces and don't yeah. wait till December 30th to do your year end right, tax right. planning, you, for God's sake. It's sakes. an ongoing thing. Ed Slot, ready for your last question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the worst money mistake you have made? Uh, years ago, when I was young, in my 20s or 30s, and I made investments based on taxes rather than was it a good investment. Before the 86 Reform Act, uh, there were these things, and this 1986, I'm always talking, not 1886. <laughs> You're looking at me. <laughs> 
there, there were these real estate partnerships and all these people, if you remember, used to buy into them. Clients did it, so I thought it was a good thing. Ten to one write-offs. Yeah, you lose your money, but look at the write-offs. <laughs> and everybody thought that was fantastic. And me too. I went along with, oh, look at the write-offs. You get these big tax credits. You never see your money again. Uh, so that's, you know, you shouldn't do everything. There are things as ta- such as tax benefits. If the investment is good on its own merits to begin with, then that the tax benefit is the icing on the cake. But you shouldn't do it solely tax-related. That shouldn't be the only factor in a, an investment decision. Ed Slot. CPA, nationally recognized IRA expert. Uh, you, we're going to put a link to um, Ed's uh, Retirement Decisions Guide 2017. And also, for your kids out there, a tax-smart savings plan in your 20s and 30s, Ed's book, Fund Your Future. Ed Slot, thank you for joining Great us on Better be Off. to be here live with you. I really enjoyed it. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Okay, it's time for one of our favorite parts of the show. I don't want to keep saying favorite, Mark, because then it sort of downplays everything else. But it is time for the caller of the week. If you have a financial question you want to get on the show, just shoot us an email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. And that way, Mark will do his magic and we'll get you on the air. So today we've got Danny who's on the line. And Danny, where are you calling from? Florida. Florida. Awesome. Uh, How's the weather in Florida right now? Weather's good. Nice. Yeah. What's on your mind? So I have a question, uh, multiple questions, really, but I'll try and put it into one little nutshell of a question. I am self-employed. I have a, uh, I'm a single-member LLC, and then, uh, you know, for tax classification purposes as an S-Corp. And I draw a salary from the business, roughly $60,000 a year, of which I, I, I then contribute to a SEP account. Okay. I'm at the point now where my income is growing. You know, I make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'm trying to decide or not whether I want to take a larger salary, mm-hmm. have, to pay, have to pay into the uh, FICA taxes, which is both sides of those taxes, right? Right. Point percent, uh, which you know, obviously half of that will be written off the business tax uh, as a deduction. So do I take a larger salary so I can contribute more to my SEP account? You know, this is like the age-old question for small business owners. So if you're listening out there, like Danny, and you've got a small business, whether it's an S-Corp or an LLC, some sort of pass-through organization, what you are always weighing is, should I pay more in Social Security taxes or FICA, or should I pop my salary up and be able to then contribute more into a retirement account, but also into Social Security? And, you know, look... I know there are trade-offs with everything. I really get that. But I think that for me, I would prefer you to take a larger salary. Like you said, 15.3% is the total tax. You get to deduct 7.65% of it, half of it. I think it's better for you to be putting more money into the SEP and also to be building up your Social Security earnings, right? Because if you don't pay into the FICA, you won't get as big a Social Security payoff. So my question to you is, have you actually run these numbers to figure out how much more you could pay yourself in salary instead of the 60000 Yeah, I could probably go up to, to 100000 Really? Yeah, I mean, I could probably take 100000 doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in income, and my expenses aren't very large. Really, all of my, my business expenses are living expenses. Interesting. Um, and and the business you said it's a single member, so there's just you. And do you have any other employees? 
I have no other employees. I put my spouse on payroll at the end of last year, paying her $1,000 a month so we can start to pay in some of those uh, FICA taxes for her because she's no longer working mm-hmm. because we um, she's with my daughter. Okay. And, uh, second child on the way. And how old are you? I'm 31. We'll be 32 in couple months. Wow. Um, I love, I like the idea of you putting more money away. And here's something else just to think about, not for this minute. I think the 100000 is fine. I think you should pay into Social Security. I think it's a smarter way to do it. Also, by the way, you know that when you take a low salary, but you have a business that's generating a lot of, of income and, and more and more income, you actually become an audit risk because the IRS has systems that kind of comb through your personal financial life and match it up and say, hey, should this, is this guy essentially not taking salary that he should be paying taxes into? And so it becomes this weird audit red flag, which I think is something, of course, we'd like to avoid. But more to the point, again, paying into Social Security, I think, is good. And I do believe that you'll be able to put more money away. The other thing to keep in mind, if your annual revenues are growing and growing and growing and things are going really great, you may want to consider another kind of retirement plan. And again, this may be a little bit too premature for you at this second, but there are programs where you as a single member LLC can put into place your own defined benefit plan. Now, I don't think you should do this right now. I just want to put it a little like thought bubble in your world because the reason why that plan can be really good for you later on, probably when the kids are a little bit older and you've started to save for college, is that you can put away a slug of money. Like I'm talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars a year pre-tax into a plan. So keep that in like the little feather in your cap, like, hey, I remember a while back, Jill told me about this, or you can ask your accountant about it. These are incredibly powerful plans. They really won't work if you have a ton of employees, but for just you or maybe your wife, it could be an amazing way to save for retirement. Okay. Okay. Can I have one more question? Sure. Okay. So say say I take the salary for $100,000 so I can contribute more to my SEP account, which would be 25% of the employee's compensation. So let's say $25,000, right? Right. Then my business uh, on the S corp return uh, has a profit of say sixty thousand or seventy thousand, so that becomes my my income, right? I, I took the hundred thousand salary, yep, and then I have the the sixty or seventy thousand profit from the business, right? Based on those numbers, I need to pull off what I need to be saving, right? Say twenty percent of my income, twenty twenty five percent of my income, if I can get that high, right? So I'm doing pretty good numbers on that. Um, is that is that the ballpark of where I Yes, I think that's a fantastic ballpark. I mean, look, it might get more difficult when you have two kids. And um and you said that your your spouse, your wife is home with with your with with the kids and so you may not have the cash flow to do that, but I think if your target is 20 to 25%, it would be fantastic. When you are a small business owner, you are really taxed pretty dramatically on so much of what you do. So I would encourage you to first things first, make sure you put as much as you possibly can into retirement. And then as you build that retirement plan up, then you start thinking about, okay, well, I got these little kids. I want to save for college and and make that the add on. But retirement should be your focal point as you start building your net worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how much money do you have saved so far? In, in retirement accounts, mm-hmm. I probably have close to 80, 90 grand in retirement accounts. Fantastic. That's great. I got the Betterment account, which I've been with Betterment since the end of last year. 
got my house fund, so we're saving up for a down payment of a house. I've got I got roughly ninety grand with Betterment for the down payment of the house. Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of yeah, just kind of going and, and trying to figure my way through this and, and be smart about it. Well, it, th- it sounds to me like you you are being smart. Um, obviously, you know, as the expenses start to creep up with kids, with house, with all of that, again. You're going to be hyper focused on saying, how can I squeeze as much money out of this business, push it into retirement, get that money out of my taxable income base and save for retirement. And I think you are well on your way. It sounds like you're doing a very good job. So I, I, I applaud you and, you know, give us a holler back if something's going on and you think you need some help. I will. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me on. Good luck, Danny. Thanks for calling. Thanks again to CPA and IRA expert Ed Slot. If you want more information, you can go to his website, irahelp.com. And thank you for all those great questions. Don't forget, there's a new episode of the Better Off Podcast every Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag Better Off. You can also reach me via email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. That's Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. Better Off is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Delercio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.